Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, Boston sports fans everywhere. Episode four of Boston's Big Four on the Believe Podcast Network. Home base for all things Boston sports, for the fans of the City of Champions, where this sports business here is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year passion. You can find the show on Apple, Spotify, and Google. New releases every single Tuesday. I'm your host, Stephen Ace Norman. I guess it's really not the best idea to say every single Tuesday, seeming that uh, we missed last Tuesday. I'll explain here real quick. I, I had a bout with COVID myself come Tuesday. Didn't have much of a voice. It would have been raspy, very, very raspy at best, and not a good raspy like a, a Louis Armstrong. So took the week off, recovered, back, feeling good, very fortunate to be feeling good. I hope everyone had a good holiday, a happy new year, and uh, we're going to get right into it on the program today. You can find all of our social media information on the webpage on Believe.com, spelled B-L-E-A-V. This week on the show, it's going to be completely Patriots-based here. Two games since we last had an episode, uh, and the Patriots improving their record to 10-6 and six after a 50-10 to 10 thumping of the JV Jacksonville Jags. What an embarrassing team that is. Patriots putting up 50 points for the second time this season, the 10th time under Bill Belichick. Scored uh, 54 back on October 24th. I only bring that up not because uh, it's overly impressive versus the Jets, although anytime you put up 50 points against an opponent in the NFL, it says something about how you executed that day. But nonetheless, I mention it because that started a win streak that saw the Patriots go on a seven-game span where they looked like and was talked about as the best team in the AFC, or at least by me, and I'm not only me. And we're going to get to a larger picture of the Patriots here today, a wider view, if you will, telescope view, because to break down a game that was never really a game and that was over by halftime when the the score was 28 to three, I mean, that's not really interesting, intriguing, doesn't really captivate an audience. And that's what, you know, the show is about, you know, getting your attention. So I will give a recap of the walloping from Sunday and my takeaways from Sunday, but I want to start with a lot larger macro view, I guess you could say, of the Patriots here. Are you pleased with 2021? It's a simple question. Patriots, 10 and 6, the five seed in the playoffs right now, still have one game left in South Beach against the Dolphins on Sunday. But right now, where this Patriots team is, through the ups, through the downs, have they met your expectations? Have they outdone your expectations? Have they underachieved in your opinion. It's fair to ask the question. It's an interesting question to ask because I think that everyone has a different standpoint on this team. How good are they? Are they really one of the better teams in the AFC? Are they really just kind of getting by with smoke and mirrors against lesser opponents and crappy quarterbacks? I mean, these are all things that's been talked about here for a little while now as the season's gone on. A seven-game win streak followed by a two-game losing streak and then beating the worst team in football by 40 points, a lot of people have been up, down, and all around. I like to say that I've stayed pretty consistent, although 
I think in this business, your opinion is always going to be evolving and you have to kind of change with the times. You have to change with what you've seen. So if you're going to give an honest evaluation, if you're going to take into account all the factors that you should, where this team is currently, where they were at the midpoint in the season, where they were at at the preseason, if you're going to really give it an overall perspective, you have to ask yourself, where was this team in 2020? You don't ask yourself why they were there, whose fault it was, or anything like that. Because we can all point fingers, and Bill was a large part responsible. Tom leaves because of Bill, and there's a lot of friction in the organization. Poor drafting, not a lot of talent on the roster, and we all point our fingers at Bill. And I think that's right to do so. I think it's fair, I should say, to do so. But that doesn't mean that it changes what the expectations were for this season, given how last season went. The Patriots were 7-9. and nine. They had no real direction. It seemed like the plan was, let's just float by and we'll make decisions in the offseason when we have money. And oh, by the way, we didn't have money because, well, we did everything we could for Tom, which didn't seem real, which seemed to be an excuse. And it was not completely false, but not really a, a fair assessment of how the past five years went. So take yourself back one year, basically one year from today, almost very close. I don't remember the exact date that the season ended, but you get my point. The Patriots have a seven and nine season. Cam Newton is obviously not the answer at quarterback. Jarrett Stiddy, the kitty is obviously not the answer at quarterback. He couldn't even get a start for whatever reason. Bill's confidence in him, the team's confidence in him, his inability to, to produce in practice, whatever the reason was. You had no answer at quarterback. Tom Brady is entering a postseason run in Tampa Bay, the most losing franchise in all of sports, if you look at percentages. And the Patriots don't just have no answer at the quarterback position. They have very few building blocks. They have very few young core players that you could say are top elite level talent that you can build on for the future. The defense was playing a bunch of no names by the end of the season. Your best receiver was Jacoby Myers, who I like a lot, but let's be honest, he's not a number one receiver by any means. And you looked at that offense and said, no tight ends. Uh, You really only know of one true back that you have on the roster that you feel really good about in Damian Harris. Ramondre Stevenson wasn't here. Brandon Bolden didn't have the breakout season that he's having at this point. James White was a free agent at that point. So you asked yourself, what did you have on offense? What did you have on defense? Where were your really good players? They were nowhere to be found. And let's not overlook the other aspect that's so important, or I've been told is so important to this Patriots run. It's the Patriots way. Now, I don't know that that's a term that's used in the locker room, and I'm not saying it is. But regardless of if it is, and there's a set rule or a set way to go about your business that's written down and people understand before they get in the locker room, Okay, and I'm mocking the people who feel that way. I am. There is a certain formula. There is a certain method. There is a certain approach and a certain program to Bill Belichick and being a part of these Patriots teams. And it's not for everybody. And you looked at the players who really bought in, who were really Bill Belichick guys, especially in the post Tom Brady era here. It was Devin McCourty, an older player. It was Dante Hightower, who had just opted out of the 2020 season. He had his own reasons, 
but a very key piece of your defense, a veteran guy, a commander, a, a communicator on that side of the ball. Didn't know what he was going to be if he came back. If he came back, Patrick Chung opted out, ends up retiring. Jason McCourty ends up leaving in free agency. We could go down the list. Matthew Slater, we didn't know what he was going to be, if he was going to return. Yeah, he's a special teamer. Okay, yeah, I think sometimes a lot is made of Matthew Slater. He's a terrific special teamer, possibly a Hall of Famer. And I say, well, could they have replaced that with all the money that Bill spends on, you know, special teams players? Yeah, maybe. But there is a certain point where you can't strip away everyone from your program at once, especially after losing one of the creators of that program and expect everything to just roll over and continue, regardless of how you draft or who you bring in free agent wise. There is a leadership. There is a a certain, I'm going to look at that guy and follow the way he works and what he does. He may not be the best player, but this is a guy that's been here for a long time that has a key role on this team. That's a confidant of the coaching staff. And I'm going to follow him. And you said, well, what do the Patriots have? What do they have? And I think that was very much so up in the air. And I know I may be beating a dead horse. And believe me, it won't be the first time where someone said, okay, Steven, yeah, we got it. You made your point. And I said, no, 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 no. But this is, I just want to drive this home. So that's what I'm doing here. Okay. But who was the coach on the field? The lead by example guy. The guy that was an extension of the coaching staff. That takes you under their wing, if you will. That you can relate to. That you're on the field with. That you go to battle for and next to. That win for type of teammate that you want to go out there and lay it on the line. You want to do everything that you can in practice, in film study, in the weight room, eating right, overall the proper preparation. And wow, that's a tongue twister. But the proper preparation, because on Sundays we watch teams all the time, ultra talented, uber talented, do stupid things, undisciplined things, not ready to win, not ready for the elements, the stuff that we saw from the Bills in Buffalo, and I'll get to where I might have been a little bit wrong on Buffalo. But those are the type of things that that preparation beforehand that the Patriots and this system has always put first, they really do translate. Look no further. We don't have to look very far. As I'm rattling off the Buffalo Bills as an example, this Patriots team this season, coming off of the bye, not ready to go in Indy, coming off of a tough loss in Indy, not ready to go at home against Buffalo, Well, that's preparation. Mac Jones talking about practice, talking about feeling sorry for ourselves after a bye week, which to me made no sense. Or how about Matthew Slater? Last week with a quote that perked up a lot of people's ears, surprised a lot of people, myself included, when he said the following, you want to make sure there's no splinter in what you're doing, no splinter in the locker room, no splinter between the players and the coaches. You want to keep your head down and stay positive as you can and just fight through it. I mean, we have some tough choices. I think one of those choices is to let this spiral out of control. And the other choice is to put our feet in the ground, make a stand, and fight. And that's not coming from an idiot with a microphone at a press conference on a podium with a platform. And wow, the tongue twisters this week are really, I'm killing them though, I'm killing them. But anyways, so that's not an idiot with a microphone. That's a seasoned vet, an 11-year captain, speaking to someone or someones. For what reason? I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. I haven't heard anything specific. But he's talking to someone for some reason. Okay? And the focus part of it and looking yourself in the mirror is something that was also echoed by J.C. Jackson, 
who post game on Sunday talked about he got back to film study. He had more focus this week. Then there's Jacoby Myers, who said the team had a look in the mirror moment in the days leading up to the game. Bill Belichick was then asked about that on his weekly WEEI radio hit. You know, asked about had he seen a difference in the team's preparation. So you're not going to get anything from Bill, right? You know, who shares a brain with Vito Corleone. You know, never tell anyone outside of the family what you're thinking. Probably good for a couple snorts in the microphones and maybe a couple of, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. No, instead he says this. This was our best week in a little while here. Not really sure why that was, but maybe it was part of what Jacoby said. We reached the point where we had to kind of face the music here. Our captains and some of our veteran leaders on our team, I thought, did a real good job this week of setting an example and really challenging themselves, challenging the team. We got a great response, so try and keep that going. So now circle back. Off-season headed into the 2021 season. You have no quarterback. You have no tight ends in a system that's predicated on having tight ends. You have maybe one quality receiver who's a number three, really, in my opinion, Jacoby Myers at best. Julian Edelman retires. You need a pass rusher to get after the quarterback because you can't just continue to scheme it up. You don't have the the real wolves after the quarterback at that position. You need depth on the offensive line. You have Dave Andrews up for a contract. Joe Tooney up for a contract. Not going to renew him. And you probably need a right tackle. Marcus Cannon had opted out last season. So you have a lot of voids, not to mention the big guys on the line. I think Lawrence Guy was also a free agent now that I'm thinking about it. So bring it all back. You have $70 million in cap space. What's Bill going to do? He's never been aggressive. He's never gone after the splashes in free agency. Stupid teams do that, right? Nope. After he pays the piper for one season, pays that, that cap piper, he goes after big names and splurges. And by September 12th, that's week one of the NFL calendar this year, the Patriots have a plethora of new starters a rookie quarterback who was taken 15th overall, not the most athletic, fits the program the best, but not the most athletic, questions about where and if he should have been taken where he was. You also have rookies that were drafted in this year's draft class that are needed to make impact right away. They don't have a lot of time. They don't have a lot of youth that's on their roster. Overall, big overhaul on the roster. And the Patriots currently now in week 18, are 10 and 6 with a chance to be 11 and 6 this year, which I have to look at as a good year. Have they met my expectations? Yeah, they did. They're competing for a division. I know it's very slim that they could win this division in the final week. They need they need the Bills to lose to the Jets, probably not going to happen. They need a win in Miami, not an easy place to win. But if you look at this in a vacuum, this has been a good season. You expected this team to be anywhere from 10 and 7, which still doesn't feel right sane, to 12 and 5, which still doesn't feel right sane. Still used to the, the, the old 16 game schedule, nice even number. But, anyways, this has been a good year in a vacuum. There have been bad moments, there have been bad times, there have been bad games. And as much as I expected them to be right about where they are, I didn't expect them to have the seven-game run or the slow start to the schedule, so I can't sit here and say I did. But if you look at what they've been able to do, they've rebuilt the roster and produced a playoff team. And they've implemented a mentality and infused that 
into the new players that they buy in. Rough spot during the, the, this little part of the season here after Indianapolis, after Buffalo, where maybe the players are splintering a little bit. We alluded to that earlier, you know, with the Slater comments. But all in all, this team has got up to the podium game after game after game saying we have a two and four mentality. We love practice. We love each other. We love the coaches. They're so smart. They're so brilliant. We fight for each other. And it didn't take this team two to three to four to five years to find the next guy. Now, I don't know what they have at quarterback as far as how good is Mac Jones. But listen, I think they've done pretty well here. So this season is good to me. This has been a good year. They've met my expectations. And I'll fully admit, I jumped the gun. Okay, I overrated them coming off the Buffalo win. Coming off the bye, they held the number one seed. They controlled their destiny. They had that bye, that first round bye. There's only one of them at their hands. They let it slip through. They had a hold on the division, a home playoff game against a familiar foe. And yep, they fell on their face again. So yes, I'm frustrated with that, that portion of the season, but they're still in the dance. They still have a chance. They've improved by five wins. And that's what ESPN said, you know, as far as an average for teams that spent a hundred million dollars, they improved by five wins the following season. I'd add to that, that I'm sure that those teams weren't filling the quarterback position with a rookie and also filling the quarterback position with a rookie after the greatest of all time departs and wins a Super Bowl. So I feel good about the direction of the team. They're a younger group. I have renewed faith in Bill Belichick, the coach, the GM. And I think it's fair to have these expectations too. I think it was fair to have these expectations coming into the season. You're always going to have high expectations for a franchise that's run by Robert Kraft and has Bill Belichick as GM and head coach. And it's only fair. With lofty accomplishments come lofty expectations. So in my opinion, this fan base in totality should be pleased, should be encouraged, should be optimistic about the direction this team is going because they're producing with a younger core and a captain steering the ship who at the very worst won't crash it. So as we hit January now, right, you know, playoffs right around the corner. This team clinched a playoff berth. They were on the precipice of being the number one seed. Then they were on the precipice of winning the division out from under Buffalo with uh, their expectations coming into the season. And and those have been up and down throughout the year. Um, So you now look at this team and you say, well, if they're going to win, right, if they're going to have success on a larger scale, you know, on games that have more magnitude to them, right? What do they need to do? I think it's pretty simple to me, and it's pretty well spelled out how this team can win and what type of games they're going to win and what type of games they're going to lose. They don't have a large margin for error. They don't have Tom Brady anymore. They don't have an Aaron Rodgers. They don't have a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen on a good day that's able to dig them out of costly mistakes. You know, we saw in Indy down 20 points. That was too much. They couldn't come back from that. We saw against Buffalo trailing the entire game, trailing at half 17 to 7. That was just too much. You can't start slow if you're this team. You have to match the intensity out of the gate. Because we saw in those two examples, in those two test runs, that against a playoff opponent, against two teams that are currently in the playoffs, In a playoff environment on the road for one of those games, in a playoff environment at home for another one of those games, the Patriots just couldn't come back when they were down. Those deficits were too much against a good football team. So they're not built to come from behind yet. 
Okay, th- that's just reality. It is what it is. They don't have enough firepower yet. Okay, Max, a piece of this offense, he's not the centerpiece of the offense. It's okay. It's not a slight on Mac. He's a rookie quarterback, still growing, still evolving. Just his 16th game in the regular season to this point in, in his career. So you can't ask too much of him. That's fine. You shouldn't have to. You have to play complimentary football. You have to play complimentary football. A clean game, nothing stupid. Because, you know, it was nice to see them come back against Indianapolis. It was great. Okay, I think that Indianapolis, because they didn't trust their quarterback, rightfully so, kind of laid dormant until they absolutely needed to have something, and then they punched you in the mouth. Buffalo just had the better player. A player that outdueled Bill Belichick's genius. Okay, his chess pieces. Because he was just able to overcome how good the, the players that, that Bill was putting on the field and the places he was putting them, he's just better than that. Josh Allen just had that electric day. So it's nice to see them come back in these instances, but they didn't win these games. He's a, you know, Max a win with, not because of yet. Not a slight on him, just reality. Tom Curran, NBC Sports Boston, has followed the Patriots for a long time, watched a lot of teams has been inside the building, knows the structure of it, knows the different teams and their strengths, their weaknesses. I feel like he summed up what I'm saying here perfectly in a column he wrote right after the Bills game. He wrote this on what the Patriots are. Karn writes, The Bills' loss shined a light on the fact that the Patriots, while pretty good at everything, are not superb at anything. They'll scheme you up, and put their pieces in the right spots and execute as designed most of the time, but they can be overwhelmed by a unique talent who's having a real good day. And that's what happened with Josh Allen. That's what happened in that instant. And that's the case with the Patriots right now. They can get beat by a superior player, a superior opponent, as every team can. I think they can beat anyone. I think they can lose to anyone. And every team has a catalyst, right? Every team has a leader, whether it be an individual or a unit. It used to be Tom Brady. You know, get on my shoulders. We'll carry you to the promised land. Come back in the fourth quarter, down multiple scores. Don't worry about it. Tom's here. We have a shot. Now that's on the defense. And that's why I've been very critical of the defense. Although I feel like they've been good overall throughout the season, I don't think they've been good enough in the gotta-have-it-stop category. When you're the best unit on a team, you're asked to make a lot of plays, and they just haven't made enough when they've counted. They couldn't stop the Colts when they limited it to a one-score game, momentum in the Patriots' favor. Jonathan Taylor runs for 60-some-odd yards. Back in uh, earlier in the season, Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott going back and forth. Defense couldn't stop Dak. Offense kept them in the game. Offensive line didn't help, but the offense kept them in the game. Mac kept them in the game until, oh yeah, overtime and what what's happening? Collapse in the secondary, touchdown. Against Buffalo, the offense scored two touchdowns and came back in that game. Defense could not get a stop, could not get the ball back until the end of the game. There it was, the division on the line, down five, seven minutes and 35 seconds left in the game. Buffalo's pinned back. J.C. Jackson has a perfect opportunity to make a play. Easy play? No, not at all. Uh, You have to have it play? Yeah, in my opinion, it is. Not an easy catch. But if you're a lockdown corner, if you're a number one, and we're hearing a lot of that talk, 
If you're a playmaker on that defense, you got to step up and make that play. Not all great players are easy. In fact, most great players are not easy. And it goes through his fingers, and the drive ensues, a 13-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that saw Buffalo convert on a 3rd and 10, a 4th and 1 with Josh Allen doing a naked bootleg, and a 3rd and 10. It was the first time that a Bill Belichick team didn't force a punt in a game. I'm not saying that you have to have every big stop of every single game, right? Like that's, you can't ask anyone for that. But you have to have at least one. It has to be at one of the more meaningful times in the game where you're teetering one way or another, especially to close out a game. You can't have that. And when they've played the way they have all season and they've been one of the best statistical teams defensively in the league, is it fair to be critical of them? Absolutely. Listen, I know I'm being tough on them. I'm being tough on them because of their numbers, how they carry themselves, what they're asked to do on this team, the role that they're asked to play. I don't think they're frauds like the 2018 boogeymen where that defense was fraudulent, absolutely fraudulent. And I do think that they've been a little bit overrated this season, but I do think that they're good and they have it in front of them to prove the doubters wrong. Prove me wrong. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. So if we're talking about Sunday here and we're getting to the Jaguars as we get to the end of the program, if you're asking me, how do I nitpick a game that saw the Patriots score 50 points and hold their opponents to 10 points and not a touchdown until late in the fourth quarter? I'll tell you how. Because I look at specific areas. I look at the run defense. The Jaguars were behind all game long. So they're not going to run the ball very much, but they did have 17 carries and they did get 80 yards on the ground against this Patriots defense. That has been very suspect against the run. Very suspect against the run. And we talk about pass rush. We talk about one of the problems with uh, Josh Allen in that game was there wasn't enough pass rush. Well, I didn't see enough pass rush on Sunday against an opponent that had little to no offensive line, depleted by COVID, depleted by the fact that they just don't have the talent on the roster. And I didn't see enough pressure. I know Christian Barmore got a sack. I know that there were sacks on the board. I just didn't see it enough early on. And the third down defense, the third down defense to me early in that game was not good. So am I nitpicking? Yeah. Was the defense bad? Absolutely not. Not suggesting that in the least bit. I'm just saying this is how you get assessed when you're the lead dog. This is how you get assessed when you're a good to great unit. This is what you want. This is how you carry yourself. Well, this is how you're going to be critiqued. As for the rest of Sunday and the rest of that game, I mean, that was brutal, wasn't it? You can't tell me you enjoyed that. Maybe you enjoyed it for a half, you know, 28 to 3. But overall, there's no way you can watch that game as a real fan of the NFL and say, oh, that was was enjoyable. No, no, no. That was needed. Okay, the Patriots needed a get-right game. They needed to see themselves with those positive plays. They needed to see that positive reinforcement. I think from that standpoint of things, it can be good for this Patriots team. But from what I learned from this team, or about this team, nothing. I learned nothing at all. They showed the best that they could show on Sunday, okay? They showed the best that they could show. They did exactly what good teams do to horrible teams. Teams that are the worst in the NFL. The worst. Rookie quarterback, head coach drama, you know, the Urban Meyer saga of this season was a joke. Darryl Bevel has been the interim coach. 0-2 since he took over, so they didn't even have that little insert of energy with a new head coach. They don't really have any direction. 
I mean, they have Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be good. He could be good, I should say. But he needs the right coach because there's a lot about his game that needs to be NFL coached, NFL prepped. So for the Patriots, it would have been a problem if they squeaked by. But the way that they handled business, good for them. They came out the way they needed to, okay? Offense, defense, urgency, played from out the get-go, scored, you know, uh, on their first offensive drive, scored, you know, all four drives in the first half, four of four in the red zone, four of four on touchdowns, also scored in their first drive of the third quarter. They didn't punt in this game until 5.03 left in the third. So they did some great things in this game as far as, you know, what you look at from a game. I just don't put a whole lot of stock in it, okay? But I will say this. It was a serious needed win, a get-right game that maybe puts them back on the right course, on the right track, because this is what happened. This is how they handled the Jets back in October, And, you know, I didn't make too much of that individual game, but it was how did those guys feel after seeing the proof of the hard work during the week, after focusing and getting right, seeing that and doing that to any NFL opponent, I feel like in an NFL locker room, that that goes somewhere, that travels. So it was good to see the positive out of that game. Way too many positive stats here to even go over. It wasn't even a match. It's like a big brother playing a little brother in a pickup basketball game with a low rim and the little brother's three feet tall and the big brother is a whopping 5'7". I may be using real world uh, heights for, uh, you know, brothers, maybe mine. I don't know, just possible. And saying, oh, wow, what a great game. Really showed me a lot out there when you beat the bag out of your little brother who's three feet tall. So please, we're not going that far. But it can be a get right moment for this team. Hopefully it is. And there you have it, episode four of Boston's Big Four in the books. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did and you want to hear more, please subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, Google, or just go nuts. Do all three of them. It'd be great. Really much appreciated. But seriously, thank you for following new episodes every Tuesday. Be sure to follow the social media of the show. We have an Instagram, a Facebook, and an email. Thank you for loaning me your ears and your attention. I know it's valuable. Until next week, Boston, be well, be healthy, be real. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.